Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host, for Nick's Nerd. Hello, 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 and welcome to Nick's Nerd News. I am your host, Nick, hence the name. Welcome to the show. If you're new listeners, I, I welcome you with o- open arms. If, if if you've been listening for a while, welcome back. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking by. I'm, I'm glad you guys keep coming back week after week. Um, you know, I've been looking at my numbers, and I, I guess I have a lot of fans in Ireland now. And welcome. Welcome friends from across the across the pond. I don't know if you guys say that. That's a that's a UK thing. I don't want to offend anyone in Ireland. Um, that's definitely something that they don't want to be associated with. Anyway, anyway, last week I did not mention, but it is Black History Month, and Black creators deserve a lot, a lot, a lot of praise. And and there's one person who's finally getting his due by a lot of people, and um, the man created game cartridges, right? W- without him, we, we wouldn't really have game cartridges. And I, I should have talked about him last week, and I didn't, and I forgot. And just so many things going on, going on last week. But his name is, his name is Jerry Lawson, and he pioneered the video game cartridge, and wasn't really given his due for a long time and and he's finally finally getting his fair shot in this in the spotlight um there was a documentary on netflix that talked about him recently and without him you know we wouldn't have video games right and video game history has always been kind of shunned in general and now that they're finally really getting really getting their due and and people are realizing that video games are a thing and an art form, and legitimate. So, in in this this history, celebrating black creators and and those of the African American community, Jerry Lawson is is someone that that deserves praise and should be remembered for for all time. In 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 reality, especially in the video game community, right? That is a name that everyone should know. He should be on the the lips of people who know who can name off like Bobby Kotick and Eves Gamo and. And, you know, the people that, that are famous and synonymous with, with the video game industry, he, he should be up there with him. And, you know, some people have called him the father, father of modern gaming and hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and I hope, I hope in the future he gets, he really gets his due because he should be up there with, with everyone else that that's considered the father that that are considered the founders of gaming modern gaming at least but i wanted to honor him uh, since i did forget to do something for for this last week but uh, moving on it it is a new week and there are new things to talk about it's good because leading that in we have a lot of video game news to talk about today it's, it's been a while since we've had a lot of video game news and it's it's a slow start to a year that we haven't had in quite a while, to be honest. Um, the last few years have been kind of front-loaded on games as we come out of the winter season. Uh, this year, obviously, with everything that's been going on, a lot of games got delayed and things like that. But 
I just want to wrap up on Hitman. I did finish it this past weekend. It's a lot shorter of a game than I expected, only about six missions. Obviously, their focus is replayability, and and you do have the ability to play the first two games in there as well. Uh, and there's some bonus missions and side missions, so I've, I've gone back and started to play some things, and some of the side missions were more fun than the than the main game. There's one where you that has to do with like a virus and you infiltrate like a lab and like like 30 people can get infected if you don't quell it. <laughs> that you're like on a murderous rampage in that one, but not very hitman, but there there are good levels. There's there's a level on a vineyard and you can uh take out one of your targets with like a giant grape press. If if that doesn't tell you how fun it is, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but the finished Hitman, like I said, a little shorter than I expected, but a solid 8 out of a 10. 8 out of 10, great game. Uh, story is superfluous, but granted, the replayability and the ability to, to do things very differently every time is is the goal and the key to this game. And I, I can't wait to see what IO Interactive does with, with the James Bond franchise moving forward. But uh, last week, we didn't talk about it, but last week, Jeff Bezos announced that he would be stepping down as CEO of Amazon, which is crazy to think about. Well, uh, we got news that the new CEO of Amazon, he'll be taking over, uh, Andy Jassy, and has essentially thrown his support behind Amazon's game game division. And he, this was uh, an email sent to Bloomberg, so I guess it wasn't officially released. Uh, he did say, quote, Some businesses take off in the first year and others take many years. Though we haven't consistently succeeded yet in AGS, I believe we will if we hang in there, unquote. So, of course, Amazon released a game last year that ended up killing its servers not even a year in. Uh, this is all for Amazon Game Studios, so that's what AGS stands for. Um... It, it all heads, comes back down from, from stuff uh, with the head of Amazon Game Studios. And there's a lot of recent issues that have come to light uh, per Bloomberg. Uh, I guess there was a bro culture, unquote. And a lot of projects were canceled and, and mismanagement and things like that. But it looks like the new CEO wants to fix all that and make sure that, that they move forward. Um, another email that was given by Bloomberg by uh, that came from Frazzini, Mike Frazzini, the head of Amazon Game Studios. It said, quote, has zero tolerance for the kind of behavior described or anything less than a fully equitable and inclusive environment. We've learned and improved a lot along the way, myself included, and we'll continue to do so. Making great games is hard and we're not going to get everything right, unquote. So, it looks like some of the tide is turning over at Amazon Game Studios. Of course, last year they announced the Amazon Luna, which is a cloud service, you know, similar to, to Stadia um, and Xbox um, Cloud Gaming and Game Pass and things like that. Granted, theirs works a little differently and, and things like that, but Amazon doesn't seem to be moving away from the game space just yet, and their new CEO wanted to, to make sure people knew that. So good on Amazon, huh? I guess uh, we're all going to be in the gaming industry at this point. Every, every company joined the gaming industry. But, well, uh, Mario last year became a Lego uh, system, if you will. Well, he won't be alone in joining the Lego-fication of, of games. 
Uh, you know, of course, Lego's done Overwatch sets and Minecraft sets, and Mario was last year. Well, you can now add Sonic to the list, as Sonic and Green Hill Zone 1 will officially be made into Lego sets. They they passed the Lego Ideas website. They got over 10,000 votes, and I'm guessing they Lego worked out a deal with Sega to make this set into a seri- series into a set. Uh, no word yet on if it's going to be a, a like the... Uh, let me see if it's going to be like the, the Mario ones where it's like a powered brick that like recognizes what it's doing. Um, a really cool site called the Brick Fan. They cover a lot of Lego news. They're based out of San Diego, actually. Really good site if you guys are AFOLs and things like that. It's, uh, it's a website I check regularly for, for Lego news and things like that because I always try to stay on... They're also, Lego announced they're working with the Unity game engine, um, so you can build like build your own like Lego game and things like that, and I think that's going to work with sets. They're also doing a Seinfeld set, so I'm fucking stoked for that. Just It's probably going to be similar to their Friends set, and I think they did Office set, if I remember correctly, but yeah, Sonic Mania Green Hill Zone. It doesn't look like it's going to be a powered brick like the, the Sonic ones, or like the Mario ones, but... Of course, time will tell how it all turns out, and they usually never look exactly like the product that was submitted on LEGO Ideas, but that is going to be coming in the next year or two from LEGO. Um, also, sad news to report that the founder and CEO of ZeniMax Media, Robert Altman, has passed away. Um, he founded ZeniMax Media back in the 80s, and somehow I'm only learning now that he was married to Linda Carter, which is wild to me. He was 73, and I guess he died from a medical procedure. So they, they found, sorry, in 1999, they uh, him and founder of Bethesda Softworks, Christopher Weaver, uh, created ZeniMax. And, of course, uh, Bethesda Softworks was around, around for a lot longer than that. Um, a lot of people... Uh, were investors in ZeniMax Media. Of course, Microsoft bought ZeniMax last year for $7.5 billion, And he was a great, great man. He used to be a lawyer. And then he helped found a video game company. But that is what happened with Bethesda. And speaking of Bethesda, um, in a filing uh, with the EU, EU government... I guess you could call the EU government, with governments in the EU, Microsoft announced that they might be creating a wholly owned subsidiary called Vault to handle all the ZeniMax and Bethesda properties. So it, it kind of um, it, it kind of seals the deal that it's going to be a little more independent than the rest because a lot of people were, were thinking that and they, they kind of hinted at that when the, the announcement was made that they're not necessarily just becoming Microsoft like some of their other game studios. They'll still they'll still operate fairly independently, which kind of goes into the idea that not all those games are going to be Xbox exclusive right away. But but this was um, this is per legal documents because the European Union has yet to approve the 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 buyout on their end of things. Um, but it said that. Uh, quote, merger pursuant to which a newly created Microsoft subsidiary, Vault, will be merged with and into ZeniMax, unquote. 
So that's from this document that's on their, their website, the European law website. So I don't know. It also says that quote, Microsoft will still quote, sole control acquire quote, sole control of the whole of Zenimax unquote. But I guess it's all going to be done through vault, which makes sense. You know, they make fallout and you know, vaults are very influential and, and critical to the story of fallout. So course you name your company after it just like 343 industries is named after 343 guilty spark with halo and turn 10 obviously makes racing games and things like that so and the coalition is named after a faction in the gears franchise so they're they're named after you know things in their game but we'll see if that happens in the u.s or if they do that just on the the european union side we'll see how that that all plays out so uh, it's a little strange that this lawsuit is coming out a year and a half later, but Activision is being sued by a photographer. Okay, it's a year. Sorry. I, I think she was added in, in season one, so a, a year um, of Warzone. But Activision is being sued by a photographer because of what a character in the game looks like. So uh, uh, Mara, a character in Modern Warfare's... Uh, version of uh well, she was in regular call of duty modern warfare and then of course in in warzone but uh she's portrayed so mara is a character um who is based off motion capture of a model named alex zedra and uh, a photographer whose name is clayton hogan says that mara is based off his character he created called Cade janus uh, in a story he wrote, and it's all his Cade Janus character is also Alex Zedra. So, you know, it just happens to be the same model, and apparently all the photos are the same. And he, he has all these evidence of photos of of her holding weapons and what Mara looks like in the game. And I'm thinking to my fucking self, like, you can't hold a gun in too many different ways. Like... He, he hired her in 2017 to do all this stuff. Allegedly, Activision used these as, as models and, and stuff as well for, for her game. But I, I just... I, I, don't, I don't see him having a lot, of, a, a lot of, you know, clout in this lawsuit. Because they both used the same person. Maybe they used his stuff as a springboard, but it's not completely based on that. And they apparently they told her to use the same clothing and and gear, but the same makeup artist. I don't know. It it's all alleged, and we'll see what happens. Like, like I said, man, like, she's, it's the same model. Like, how, are we fighting over her now? I, I'm very confused by this whole thing. And I, I, that's going to be an interesting case to, to follow and watch. But, but we will see how that all plays out. Anyway, um, Blizzard, some, we got a lot of Activision Blizzard news coming in, in today. Uh, there was a recent earnings call 
as they update the company because it's publicly publicly held and they have an earnings call to announce you know public earnings and things like that but they announced that blizzard is working on multiple free-to-play apps based in their warcraft ip so yeah if you're looking for more warcraft on your phone you'll have a, a free to play mobile version coming soon uh yeah i don't know uh they also announced that do not expect overwatch 2 or diablo 4 in calendar year 2021 that is those are two games that will not be out until at least 2022 uh then over on the activision side they confirmed that yes there will be another premium call of duty experience launching later this year as we all expected them to also in the news uh, some patents have come out uh, regarding Sony that hint at a possibility of a new DualSense controller or even some kind of upgrade to it, um, in not not excluding adding another back button and uh, attachment, just like they added to the DualShock 4 late, late uh, was it a year or two ago, similar to how the uh, Elite controllers work for Microsoft and Xbox. Um, however... It's not all good news for Sony in the DualSense right now. Today, yes, today, uh, it was announced that a U.S. law firm is looking at a possibility of launching a class action lawsuit against Sony over DualSense controller drift. Now, this is the soonest I have heard of controller drift becoming a widespread problem enough for a class action lawsuit. Uh, we know the class action lawsuit against Nintendo with the Joy-Cons was, I think it was a year or two in before that happened. I know there is a possibility of, of mumblings of it coming against the, the, the elite controllers. I haven't heard anything down pat on that, but this is the first I've heard against Sony. And uh, this is Chemicals, Schwartz, Kreiner, and Donaldson Smith LLP. They've set up their own questionnaire page you can go to online. And I guess they want you to report instances of drift. So, quote, CSK&D is investigating a potential class action based, uh, a potential class, class action based on reports that Sony PS5 DualSense controllers for the PlayStation 5 console can experience drift issues and or fail prematurely. Specifically, it is reported that the joystick on certain PS5 DualSense controllers will automatically register movement when the joystick is not being controlled and interfere with gameplay, unquote. That's a big deal. This is early for this to happen. The console's been out, what, three months? And I, I it says a lot of stuff has big more reports have become to emerge. I don't know the validity of this. If a law firm is doing it, maybe they had a PS5 and they're pissed. I don't know. But it is very, very strange for it to happen this soon on a controller. I I see people on the internet, and you know, this is anecdotal, and it's people screaming into the void. So a problem that might not be wide as widespread looks way bigger than it is. I, I can attest to that as... I work in technical support, customer service, and when I think something that we make in our job, I was like, oh, this looks like it might be a problem. And it's like, then I'm assured, like, no, we sell so many that what you guys think is a problem is actually a very minuscule problem. But it, 
when you see someone online, people tend to tell five people about a bad experience and they tend to tell one or no one about a good experience. So that that's how it worked. I learned that when I worked at a theme park. It's like they'll tell way more people about their bad experience than they will about their good experience because and unfortunately bad word of mouth tends to spread spread like wildfire. So what I see online could not might not be true. Probably isn't, but I do see a lot of complaints about the controller fe- feeling cheap and like really plasticky. I personally haven't held one. I'm not going to say that that's true and, and or not true. I, I can't say that it is. I'm just saying what I see. But I again, I, I cannot support the validity of those claims. And if a lawsuit is already happening, maybe those, those claims are valid. Maybe they're not. Again, class actions sometimes are a little overblown. But if, if this does turn out to be a, a real thing... Sony kind of dropped the ball on that because that is pretty fucking quick for enough of a drift problem to be occurring three months, three months after a console launch. I can understand like a year or two, especially after intense gaming, but three months, three months is pretty bad. That's pretty fucking bad. We'll see what, what what the truth is and we'll be keeping an eye on this here. We'll be keeping an eye on this in the future as the Joy-Con drama with Nintendo continues to drag out. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, another big thing, legal, legally wise, in, in the gaming industry that's causing a tizzy. Warner Brothers Interactive, uh, WB Interactive, has patented their Nemesis system. And if you don't know what that is, I, I don't blame you. It's only been in two of their games, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, the two Lord of the Rings games. And it's a very interesting system. One one I have yet to really see in any other video game. But to put it simply, so you, in that game, it's Lord of the Rings, you fight orcs, you're a ranger of Gondor, essentially. Or I don't know if you're a ranger, but you... Uh, anyway, you fight orcs, right? So the way it works, though, is if you face an orc, and sometimes they don't always die, but like if you face an orc and he kills you, he will remember you and might get promoted and will always remember you throughout the game. Or if you kill him and he comes back or you defeat him and he runs away, he will be scared of you forever throughout the game. Like it is an it is an NPC system that I have not that I've yet to see fully replicated in another game, nor have I seen one that that was like it ever before. And I I can understand both sides of the argument on it being patented right? Because they're closing it off. Gaming is a very collaborative thing. A lot of games base off, base what they do off other games that aren't patented and, and try to extrapolate on them, right? Um, one could make the case that Warner Brothers doing this will allow them to patent it so they can protect it so that way they can license it to other people. Some I, That might not happen. But other people are saying, well, this isn't fair to the gaming industry. Because, like I said, gaming is collaborative and, and a lot of games... Uh, Alana Pierce, who's a great former games journalist, now works with Santa Monica Studio. She said it the best. It's like, games copy other games, right? It's They're classic for that. But with them doing this, now game developers will always have to look out to make sure they're not infringing on a patent and... It's it's kind of vague when you're you're patenting a NPC system, which 
it's all procedurally generated and you could get into some hot water there. And it's it just, it's strange that they would patent it when it's only been in two of their games and not more. And yes, it's an imperfect system, but it's a whole lot better than some other games. Like Assassin's Creed, Odyssey, with their with their um, mercenary f- faction was a little different. Granted, those mercenaries didn't remember you and they were all different and created differently. Whereas the Nemesis system does create all different orcs, different names, different personalities, but they remember you. That's that's the key thing with the Nemesis system is they will remember you throughout the game until you like kill them, kill them for good. So that that's the thing with that and that's what separates it from other games. So on, on the positive side, let's hope Warner Brothers does this and then licenses it out because they want to protect their code and make sure nobody copies it and, and does that. And let's hope that the reverse doesn't happen where they get really predatory and protective and then start going after like every game made in, under the sun, which I don't see them doing either. But this this might have been a decision made by AT&T now that they own Warner Brothers and not necessarily Warner Brothers Interactive. Considering it's happened now and they had many failed attempts at patenting it over certain things, but it'll be interesting. Maybe they're going to release a new game in the the Mordor, Shadow of Mordor series, or maybe they're going to bring it over to one of their Arkham games or something. Who knows? But we will see. We'll see how that all plays out. But the gaming world is is definitely split down the middle on this from what I can see. Uh, on Twitter and in Facebook gaming groups that I'm in. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, also, news has come out trickling. We've been getting a lot of news about Mass Effect Andromeda, of all things. But news came out that they had planned on including at least 10 new alien species, uh, all but seven of which got cut. Sorry, opposite of that. All but three of which got cut. So there could have been 10. We only got three, right? The... Those purple guys with the Twi'lek-like heads that are your allies. The other ones that I can't think of their name that are your enemies that are just like re-DNA'd versions of your allies. And then like those ancient robot ones that you search around for. I, I don't remember the names. It's been a while since I played. But could have had up to 10. Uh, they cut were cut due to budget and cosplay reasons of all things. Yeah. They were worried about if people would be able to cosplay as the aliens. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's one of the reasons you cut? That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Cosplay reasons? Cosplay reasons? (sighs) But, it, yeah, I don't know. And a lot of them were speaking to the gamer, the website. And uh, one of the quotes was, Quote, I think it was a project that couldn't have possibly lived up to expectations. This is Neil Polner, who's a senior writer. Um, He said, not just the high bar of the original trilogy, but the logical expectations anyone would have of Mass Effect going to a whole new galaxy. Because the scope of the first Mass Effect was so incredibly massive, there was an inherent promise that you'd be getting a massive new experience with a ton of new things in what was supposed to be the first Mass Effect Andromeda. New species, new lore, an entire new galaxy at your fingertips, etc. But we were only given the budget for two new species plus the remnant. That's the robots. Not to mention that we couldn't even include all the Milky Way species, and we weren't going to be able to let you travel throughout the galaxy. 
This meant that we had to develop the story around some pretty glaring inorganic limitations. So not only did you get something that felt and was much smaller than what you got before, almost everyone playing the game probably had something that they really liked about Mass Effect that just wasn't there. Unquote. I agree. I liked the game, but it was just, it felt so small compared to the rest of the Mass Effects. Um, uh, Doreen Kaiken was a design director. Uh, he said that some of the concepts for aliens were, quote, pretty out there. And they cut them because one of the goals was, quote, to make it easy for fans to cosplay the game's characters, unquote. Uh, he also went on to say, quote, One of the strengths of the original Mass Effect trilogy is that you can actually cosplay most of the alien characters, except the Hanar. Although I wouldn't underestimate the creativity creativity of some cosplayers. The Hanar, if you played uh, Mass Effect, are the very tall, like, jellyfish-like aliens. Uh, he went on to say, quote, The intention in Mass Effect Andromeda was to introduce new races that would still be in the realm of cosplay, which is probably why more crazy concepts were abandoned, unquote. Uh, that's frustrating, dude. That game could have been so much if Bioware and EA just let it be like a Mass Effect game in reality. And probably they probably wanted to rush it and get it out the door and all that nonsense, but I don't know. Speaking of EA, well, they will decide the fate of Anthem by the end of this week. Uh, it was announced that I don't think they're going to allow Anthem Next or whatever they're calling it to go through based off this report. But but this is uh, new news from... Uh, this is Bloomberg, so probably Jason Schreier knowing the scoops. And I'm looking at the article. And hey, it is Jason Schreier. Why am I not surprised? That man has the best scoops the best scoops ever in the gaming industry, and he has a written has written a very great book about game development. Anyway, it says that uh, EA is deciding on if they're going to allow Anthem Next to keep working and rebuild the game, or to abandon the project completely. My vote is on just abandoning it. You're done. It's over. You're. It's nobody. Probably people traded in the game. I think the game was like five bucks recently at a store I saw. I saw someone post a picture, but, oh man, this is just very, very unfortunate. But according to that report, EA will decide the fate of Anthem as soon as the end of next week. So, Anthem hangs in the balance. <laughs> uh, EA also announced that they will be purchasing... Game maker Glue Mobile, a mobile ma mobile developer for 2.1 billion in one of the industry's largest buyouts. Uh, they're known for making Diner Dash, Disney Sorcerer's Arena, Kim Kardashian Hollywood, and several other mobile games. So they're one of the most profitable mobile game developers out there. I'm guessing other than Zynga, but is Zynga as profitable as they used to be? That's a big question. But they are. They will be buying Glue Mobile EA for two point one billion dollars. Two point one billion dollars. Anyway, moving on. E three has announced that it will be an all digital show this year after canceling twenty twenty. It will be remain to be seen if Sony will partake this year, even if it isn't going on. 
But that is what is going on with E3. Also got news that... So last week we were talking about that uh, GoldenEye remaster that was supposed to come out for 360. That was pretty much done before it was cancelled. And of course it got leaked, like the whole game. Uh, well, we got more information on it this week. And it turns out that the game was was a lot closer to being done than than was previously thought. And whatever got leaked wasn't even the final build of the game before cancellation. And this is from Ars Technica. So this was in 2006, 2007. Again, it was planned for Xbox 360. And they spoke to... What's the name? Mark to developers on it. Ross Burry and Mark Edmonds. They spoke to Ars Technica. Uh, Edmonds said that, quote, everyone had approved it. And... I guess it got stopped by a high-up, quote, Nintendo executive. It said, quote, When it was put to Nintendo, everyone there approved it, except they didn't check with the one guy who mattered. I believe I was told his response... Uh, this is Burry now. I said, I believe his res- I was told his response went along the lines of, There is no way a Nintendo game is coming out on a Microsoft console, unquote. Uh, that makes a lot of sense about gaming in 2006-2007. And they also said that the version that leaked online was not the current version or whatever state it was left in and that it was pretty much good to go uh in their article with Ars Technica it said that it also was almost done hold on I'm looking ready to release oh so Edmonds and Burry said that uh, they had about 90 bugs left in QA testing which uh per the article is very low like that means it's pretty much good to go. So if you're under 100 bugs, I could see that as as being like in a very win-win situation. But <laughs> ready to go gold, and then Nintendo's like, uh-uh, pulls the plug. Not surprised. Not surprised in 2006, 2007. That's for damn sure. But in the best possible news yet, in my personal opinion, there is a growing momentum with in the UK... Uh, including now in Parliament, as a member of, of Parliament has brought forth a bill uh, to ban console scalping in the United Kingdom. And I don't know about you, but that's like that's that's the greatest thing I could hear. I wish something like that could happen in the U.S. Uh, this new bill is titled "Gaming Hardware Automated Purchase and Resale Bill 2019-2021." Uh, this has been reported by Sky News, and uh, when Sky News spoke to this member of Parliament, whose name is Douglas Chapman, uh, Chapman said, quote, We've proposed that a similar legislative process be brought forward to ensure that consumers can purchase gaming consoles and computer components at no more than the manufacturer's recommended price, and that the resale of goods purchased by automated bots be made illegal, unquote. Uh, he, he knows that it probably won't pass because... It doesn't happen a lot, because I guess he's part of the opposition party. Um, he wants to take people to take responsibility, get the government involved in something that maybe they should be involved in when government shouldn't always be involved, but something like this might be. Uh, it was also recently announced that the Xbox Series S and X was the highest selling console in the UK last month. But politicians in the UK are looking at this issue mainly because... Oh, they got 32 signatures. 
in in Parliament. Interesting. Maybe it, it might have more traction than than we think. Uh, Chapman also spoke to IGN, saying, "Quote: Given the experts in the cyber industry now predict the issue of scalping to grow across other important goods and services this year, we are looking at presenting a bill in Parliament so that we can further explore legislative options to protect consumers from this unfair practice." Unquote. I'm cool with this. Like I said, a lot of people, a lot of people did not get consoles because of scalpers. Like you can go, they have them still. If you want to pay over market value, nobody's going to want to fucking do that. First off, it's not worth it. I love my Series X, but it's not worth paying the extra money for. I'll tell you that right now. There's not enough games for either console. Like I want a PS5. I'm not going to go pay $750, $800 for it. Not worth it. Not fucking worth it. Not fucking worth it. But Chapman also said, quote, The issue of scalping first came up with constituents contacting me to explain their frustration about being unable to get a hold of certain games or cons- games consoles or computer components pre-Christmas. On investigation, we uncovered more details of the unscrupulous practice of scalping by automated bots to bulk buy these goods and sell them out on at inflated prices, unquote. Remember we talked about this, this was a bigger problem in the UK than here, but... And this happens with graphics cards and everything. It's just so unfortunate. And a lot of bots... And this this happens in the sneaker sneaker world too. If you guys are familiar with, with the sneaker culture and trying to buy online. Like Nike has an app called Sneakers and you get drops. But it, it's, it's such a shitty thing. Like people are not cool with with concert scalpers, but they'll go buy a, a scalped or concert scalpers, but they'll go buy a scalped console. Like really, dude? Like you're a hypocrite. You're a fucking hypocrite if you do that. You're a hypocrite. I love gaming. If I didn't get my hands on a Series X, I sure as fuck wouldn't have gone to a scalper. I would have kept trying to find one legitimately. I would have waited. I would have fucking waited. But I would never, ever purchase through a scalper. I'm not a fucking psycho. Jesus Christ, what? Don't let these people win, folks. We need to let them understand they cannot win anymore. So fight it any way you have to. But no more scalpers on consoles. It's fucking ridiculous. And I feel bad for some families or kids who, like, parents, that might have been their only option, and then they waste all this extra money giving it to someone who's just making bank off people because they don't give a shit. Or they're taking they're taking advantage of people. Let's be honest. Scalpers fucking suck, and they're doing it now with Pokemon cards. And we'll talk about that in a second. But that's what's going on in the UK in regards to console scalpers. Anyway, uh, a few weeks back, we talked about a game called Black Myth Wukong uh, coming out of China, made by a small team. Um, we got a gameplay trailer that they said was not good, was not good, and in, not indicative of a final product. And everyone's like, "What are you talking about? This is amazing!" Well, they put out a new trailer to celebrate the year of the ox, and oh my god, this game is going to be great! And I, I'm not joking when I say this. This game looks phenomenal. It looks fun. It looks crisp. It looks. It just looks different. And I can't wait to see how it all plays out because it is going to be good and it looks fun. Man, it, it looks it looks like it's going to be a fun game and it, it's going to be different from anything we've ever seen before. So we'll, we'll see how that all plays out whenever that game gets released. 
Uh, also in the news, CD Projekt Red has been hacked, and they have announced that someone has stolen the source code for both Cyberpunk 77 and The Witcher 3. They're threatening to auction it off if, if CD Projekt Red... It's, oh, it's ransomware, essentially. And CD Projekt Red said they're threatening to auction it off. And so CD Projekt Red on Twitter said, quote, internal systems have been compromised, unquote. Uh, also, quote, dumped full copies of the source code for Cyberpunk and The Witcher 3 in Gwent, and quote, the unreleased version of Witcher 3, unquote. Maybe that's for the next gen, some people are speculating. But they also say the hackers claim to have all in internal data and are threatening to, to, to dump it all including, quote, accounting, administration, legal, HR, investor relations, and more, unquote. They have 48 hours to comply, or the source codes will be leaked, will sold, be sold or leaked online, and your documents will be sent to our contacts in gaming journalism. Your public... So this is a quote from the hackers. Um, your source codes will be sold or leaked online, and your documents will be sent to our contacts in gaming journalism. Your public image will go down the shitter even more, and people will see how you sh your shitty how you shitty your company functions. I don't know. Investors will lose trust in your company, and the stock will dive even lower. Than, end quote. And it keeps going. Uh, a lot of their devices were encrypted, so I don't know what happened here. They're not going to give into the ransomware they claim. They're not going to negotiate. And and it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, and if the source codes actually get leaked, or if these people really have the source codes. But it's all—it's always fun to see people try to bully a big company that did people wrong. But, like, Cyberpunk has only done one thing wrong. And people are overreacting a bit. Yes, they did some, some uh, like, really shitty things in regards to the last-gen versions of the game. But, like, they never really said... First off, anyone who knew about this game knew that it was either going to be next-gen or only really play well on PC. Anybody who told themselves it would play well on a base PS4 and Xbox One and legitimately thought that, myself included at one point in time, were, like, like kidding themselves. Like, let's be honest here. That game was too ambitious for us to really believe it would play on last-gen consoles. That that's That's wild that we thought that that would happen. But... Moving forward, Ubisoft has announced that they are going to be moving away from AAA game releases. What that means, I don't know. Oh, they're going to look at free-to-play games. Get the fuck out of here. I hate free-to-play games sometimes, man. Uh, they said, this was in their earnings call today, uh, quote, We said for a number of years that our normal template is to come with either three or four AAA games. So we'll stick to that plan for fiscal 2022. But we see that we are progressively continuously moving from a model that used to be only focused on AAA releases to a model where we have a combination of strong releases from AAA and strong back catalog, catalog dynamics, but also complementing our program of new releases with free-to-play and other premium experiences, unquote. Well, they have a lot of AAA games coming forward. Uh, they also said, quote, in fiscal 2022... We will continue our evolution from AAA release-centric model toward a model where AAA stands alongside new premium and free-to-play innovative experiences across platforms. 
These diverse experiences will feed on each other through complementary gameplay and business models. Interesting. <laughs> no mention of their free-to-play Battle Royale, though. And, oh, I get... Okay, this makes sense. So maybe their AAA stuff will be, you know, Far Cry and Assassin's Creed and uh, Watch Dogs and Rainbow Six. Maybe they'll have more free-to-play games like Hyperscape or or premium models, which I, I could see what they do with, with Trials. Or maybe other stuff in their catalog, like the Rayman games or, or Mario vs. Rabbids. Maybe even... Uh, I wonder what they're going to do with their Star Wars open world game. But but that's true. Ubisoft makes a lot of games that aren't necessarily always AAA. Well, at least they used to. Um, and I, I can see them... They have a deep back catalog of stuff. And I can see them making games that aren't necessarily all big bang, boom, bombastic. You know? And they're going to make the Prince of Persia again. So maybe that's what they mean and not all just Fortnite clones. Because that would fucking suck. But that's what Ubisoft has announced as the future of their company. And final bit of, like, real gaming news, I should say. Because the last one is, is kind of blurring the lines between things. Epic uh, Games, you know, the people behind fucking Fortnite and, and the Unreal Engine, have announced their new tool. It's called the MetaHuman Creator. It's browser-based, which is asinine. And you can create... 3D characters and models in a faster way than ever before. And this shit is crazy good at what it looks like. And it's called, like I said, MetaHuman Creator. Uh, let's developers create characters that can be sculpted and crafted as desired. Um, you can make single characters or scale up to make many. It's it's wild, man. You gotta see the video. This The... the, the Fidelity on these graphics is insane. And you can uh, animate them or motion capture them. I guess Apple has an AR kit for that. But quote, up until now, one of the most arduous tasks in 3D content creation has been constructing truly convincing digital humans. Even the most experienced artists require significant amounts of time, effort, and equipment just for one character. Um, but, unquote... Now that they've created this tool, it should speed up the process. Uh, they also said on, quote, Essentially, the product that we're launching now is replacing hundreds of man days that we typically need to invest into building a single asset into a tool where people can do it themselves and literally within minutes get results that would uh, would otherwise work for a month for months to achieve, unquote. The, the video is insane, like I said. Uh, they also said, quote, Vlad has built a very streamlined and efficient process for making characters, says the CEO of Epic Games, Kim Liberi, or CTO. Uh, they also said, quote, complexity and the drudgery of making great digital characters out of the equation, unquote. Uh, they also said, quote, we aimed for photoreal, but not strictly photoreal. With these assets, we're not claiming to have crossed the uncanny valley. We are kind of targeting that sweet, stop, sweet spot between stylized just enough. So, for example, The Last of Us 2, they're not fully photoreal, but they're appealing, they're appealing digital characters, unquote. And this, I guess, will work with Un, uh, Unreal 4 and 5. And th there, there's a whole lot of stuff online about everything about this tool. But the, the people they are making legitimately look real. Like, you know, this is like more Uncanny Valley, I think, than, than anything. Because they look so 
real. It's kind of like crazy how far we've come in technology. It's wild, though. Totally wild. Uh, but that's the last story for our main gaming story. Look at look at us. We're we're forty seven minutes into the show and we're finally wrapping up gaming. Um, but the kind of story that that's gonna bridge bridge the gap here to to TV. Uh, this is break literally late breaking news. Like it happened just just a few hours ago. We have gotten the uh, cast announcements for for the Last of Us HBO show, and we now know. That Pedro Pascal will be playing Joel. Uh, this will, I think, this this show is going to take place in between the games. And uh, Bella Ramsey will be playing Ellie. Bella Ramsey is known for playing Lyanna Mormont on Game of Thrones. And of course, Pedro Pascal is famous for playing the Mandalorian. And of course, playing Oberyn Martell on Game of Thrones. So two former Game of Thrones stars are going to be in The Last of Us television program on HBO. And that's it for gaming, and it's a nice transition now into television. So, uh, the CW has renewed several of its shows, uh, including The Flash for Season 8. Hopefully it won't end with Season 8 like Arrow did. Uh, Batwoman will get a Season 3, so it seems like Javisha, Javisha, I can't say her name properly, um, will be continuing on in, in the role of Batwoman. And Legends of Tomorrow has been renewed for a Season seven um and if there is a season eight though we did learn that dominic purcell will not continue on the show he plays heatwave uh mick rory probably one of the best characters on the show and it sucks that he's not going to continue but i get it they they want to go off and do different things um but but he is a character that i will definitely miss if the show continues and i wonder if the the show will stay on the air much longer after seven so we'll see how that all plays out in the coming years um sticking moving on from there and the flash does premiere next week so we will be talking about it on next week's show as we've done so every year on nixon news we do cover the arrowverse shows but moving on uh dan Harmon has announced that he will be developing a new adult animated comedy for fox that will be based in ancient greece this sounds like something i can totally get behind and if it's half as good as Rick and Morty, then then we know it's going to be really fucking good. That's for damn sure. Uh, also announced by the CW, they're developing a Powerpuff Girls live action show that takes place when they're in their 20s. So it's going to be uh, not teen angst like typical CW shows, but overhyped drama that's not necessary in telling a story of a certain character or interpolation of a character, hence Riverdale. But yes, we're going to get a Powerpuff Girls live action show with the girls in their mid-early 20s struggling with, do they want to use their powers any longer? Or something like that. Oh god, that sounds terrible already. It really does. And of course they have to do it as not teenagers and in their 20s. Because then it'd get kind of creepy and weird. Anyway... We got a new trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier during the Super Bowl, and oh my god, it was so good. They're going to a new city in, in the MCU that hasn't been shown off. It's actually a fictional city from, from Marvel, Marvel Comics called Madripoor. Uh, it's near Singapore, so we got our first look at that. Uh, we got our first look at Baron Zemo, and he's holding his mask, his comics-accurate mask. We got a lot of good interactions between Sam and, and Bucky, and their chemistry is great, so I'm, I'm happy to see that. And also, 
the confirmation of the return of Sharon Carter. So Sharon Carter will be in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, also, we got new announcements from HBO Max today that they have announced two new shows. Uh, they are going to be reviving the old MTV show Clone High with Phil Lord and Chris Miller coming back to help helm the series. Uh, they have greenlit it for two seasons. No word yet on if they will have the same characters or not. Clone High was about uh, a high school. Uh, this was early 2000s. A high school that was uh, filled with clones of famous historical figures. So the main cast was JFK, Lincoln, Gandhi, Joan of Arc, and I, I forget who else. But like that's that's the gist of the show. Like you have a high school filled with clones of famous people from history. So it's it's very interesting. And will be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, and they also announced uh, from executive producer Mindy Kaling, who will also star in the show, an animated adult comedy cartoon um, based off the origins of Velma Dinkley. Yes, Velma Dinkley from Scooby-Doo. And she will be voiced by Mindy Kaling. Uh, and then, this is also brand new news That's that's just a few hours old. Gina Carano has been fired from The Mandalorian in all future Star Wars production. Uh, she has been fired uh, essentially after news uh, had been building, or anger, I should say, had been building from fans over insensitive posts online and, and on Twitter, Instagram, things like this. A lot of people, a lot of people not, not cool with her... Um, with her, her things that she would say. So, I, I mean, I, I get it. I really do. Um, you don't want to have issues with your cast members. And I I don't I don't know, man. Like, I want people to be able to have their own voice and shit. But when you start saying stuff that is more... Tends to be more offensive than anything. That's, that's when you... I don't know. I don't... I have struggles with this. Because she is a good character. I like her character. And, you know, a lot of people thought that the Rangers of the New Republic spinoff would be about her, and maybe not. Because that show was announced in the midst of a lot of uproar over her social media posts that have been ongoing for months now. Uh, and this is a statement directly from Lucasfilm. It says, Gina Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilm, and there are no plans for her to be in the future. Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. End quote. So, I guess they were planning that uh, to have her star. This is for The Hollywood Reporter. I guess in November, her tweets got even more outrageous. I don't follow her tweets exactly, and I'm not going to repeat them if, if they're considered. Um, ooh, she deleted stuff. Yeah, there's some problematic things here that, in terms of religion and the Holocaust, I'm not even going to go down that road. But after that happened, they decided to uh, cut her, which I don't don't uh, don't disagree with now, especially when Disney already deals with issues of, of Walt Disney being called a Nazi. So I guess per The Hollywood Reporter, they said, quote, they've been looking for a reason to fire her for two months. And today was the final straw, end quote, from The Hollywood Reporter and their sources. But. That, uh, yeah, okay. That's why Junior Carano's gone, and it's unfortunate, but they'll have to replace Cara Dune with somebody else, and I 
hey, that's that's the way the cookie crumbles, folks. I'm not super big on cancel culture because it, it tends to go down roads that we all shouldn't be going down. Um, but when you start saying shit that that's not really cool and really offensive, then, you know, sometimes if you don't apologize for it, then, you know, you have free speech, but there's consequences to free speech as well. So always keep that in mind. Uh, and final bit, I wanted to talk about WandaVision this week. So we got our 80s episode and things started getting really, really uh, like the, the tension is building, right? And, and this episode is more of a blend of the alternate reality that Wanda and Vision are living in and the outside real MCU reality. Um, we find Wanda coming out and threatening the SWORD agents after a drone is thrown in and, and the safety of her and her children. Uh, then it looks like there's some animosity with SWORD towards Wanda, especially with the Sokovia Accord still being a thing, I guess, in, in post-blip MCU as they call it in, you know, the, the Spider-Man movies. So that's a very interesting thing to behold, uh, that Wanda is still being held to the Sokovia Accord, so she's still a wanted fugitive. Um, we also learn that she stole Vision's body from Sword, which all, also begs the question, why does Sword have Vision's body? I would feel like Sword would belong to either A, Tony Stark, or Stark Industries, considering Tony and um, Bruce built him, B, he would be owned by, uh, I guess he would have, he has a living will, as they stated in the show, and technically being with Wanda, Wanda would get him, so it's a little interesting that, I guess they scooped up his body from, uh, you know, Wakanda, and held it the whole time, because Wanda was snapped, of course, but what were they doing with his body? Anyway, uh, we also learn that maybe Wanda isn't as in control as, as we think, um, granted, her and, and Vision go are about to go head-to-head -head in a battle, it seems like. Um, we get more stuff with their kids, who are actually magically inclined as well, because they age themselves up with a dog. Um, we also find that Vision has powers to like wake people up out of the, the nightmare, which is kind of freaky, because we don't know what's going on exactly. And then, of course, spoiler alert, we get the craziest cameo in MCU history. Almost. But Evan Peters as Quicksilver shows up. Yes, the Evan Peters from the X-Men films, Quicksilver. Not the not the um, Aaron Taylor Johnson Quicksilver from Age of Ultron. The Evan Peters Quicksilver from the X-Men movies. And we don't know how this is happening. And we don't know yet if he's even the one from the X-Men movies, maybe a different universe. We know the multiverse is going to be a, a big thread in the MCU moving forward. Especially with all the casting announcements, semi-casting announcements for Spider-Man 3, the, the new um, Doctor Strange movie called Multiverse of Madness, Ant-Man 3 being called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and now we have this appearance of the Evan Peters version of Quicksilver appearing in WandaVision. So we'll see where this goes now in the next episode. And apparently there's still another surprise cameo that's coming. But I, I'm wondering very, very much to see how this all plays out. And we're going to get the 90s episode next week, or this week, for WandaVision. But I'm very confused on where the show's going now. And how things are all going to tie together. 
and we'll see if the tension between Wanda and Vision keeps growing because it's obviously clear that Vision doesn't have all his memories. And in a lot of the teasers, they show him going up to the edge of town to the, the like the, um, the barrier made of radiation. So he might try to try to leave Westview and, and maybe talk to, to the SWORD agents outside. Um, but, but we'll see what happens here. And uh, I don't know if there's a petition for it yet, but a lot of people want Jimmy Woo to get his own like X-Files type comedy MCU show. And I'm all the fuck for it, man. Totally give him a show. Call it Agents of Sword. No, that'd be that's such a huge dig at Agents of Shield. But no, Jimmy Woo totally deserves his own series. And a lot of people want him to team up with Darcy because they actually have a good good chemistry. Um, so get on it, Marvel. I know you guys have a lot of shows coming, but a Jimmy Woo show would be would would be a welcome addition. Of course, if Randall Park wants to do it, that's that's the other thing. It's like he he kind of would have to want to do the show too, just because we're screaming for it doesn't mean he'll do it. But that's that's something I think a lot of people would watch. Uh, that is it for television today, uh, and let's talk about some movies. And as we get closer and closer and closer to the release of the Snyder Cut, which is just about uh, just over a month away. Zack Snyder has been dropping more and more images. Uh, and this past week, he dropped two. Uh, one of a nightmare version of Batman in like this bunker-type place. Uh, the back of Ben Affleck's Batman. Then, uh, a couple days later, he released an image of Jared Leto, or Jared Leto, in the reshoots uh, of a very different take on, on the, MC, uh, the DCEU's Joker than what we got in Suicide Squad. This version of the Joker has a lot longer hair, it seems to be in a straight jacket, and none of his tattoos on his face. So it begs the question, were those tattoos real, or were they fake in the Suicide Squad? The damaged tattoo is completely gone. And the thing a lot of people are noticing, though, is that picture is taken in the same type of bunker. So now... Speculation is that we are going to get a new nightmare sequence because it was the nightmare version of the Batman, the one in the, the leather duster where he has the guns and shit and he's fighting the parademons, um, which I love that version of the Batman. I know it's not a true to comics or anything, but it's just it's an alternate take on Batman that's really cool. I actually have the Hot Toys version of, of it. Um, but a lot of people are now speculating that we're going to get a Batman and Joker interaction scene in the Snyder Cut, but in the Nightmare reality. The one that, that where Superman joined with, with Darkseid and, you know, took over as we saw all the um, Omega symbols on the planet in the Nightmare sequence in Batman vs. Superman. So we, we didn't get any of those tie-ins in the actual wedding cut of Justice League um, because that was, I guess, scrapped. But this is all tying into the Nightmare sequence from Batman vs. Superman. Um, so that's that's something to look out for. It's all speculation at this point. It might just be a production room to, to take pictures in because a lot of movies will put characters to do production shots and they won't actually be in those scenes. But but we'll see. It'll be interesting to see Jared Leto out acting opposite Ben Affleck as Batman because a lot of people, lately, they've, they've come okay with the look of the Joker in the Suicide Squad. It was just the acting by Jared Leto and how over-the-top he was. Of course, there's the rumors that there's like a whole section of like a whole nother movie of just joker stuff that was cut from the suicide squad we don't know 
a lot of people speculate that it's 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 not even the Joker, but it's it's Jason Todd because you know in Batman vs Superman we see the uh, the the remains, not the remains, but a, a damaged suit of of the Rob of Robin. So everyone speculates that Jason Todd is either dead or I, I know he said it was Dick Grayson. So a lot of people speculate that. Jared Leto's Joker isn't really the Joker of the DCEU, but like a second Joker. Um, but we'll we'll see how all that plays out in just over a month here. Um, shifting gears over to the uh, MCU, Tom Holland has said that the new Spider-Man movie will be the mo- quote most ambitious standalone superhero movie ever made. <laughs> That's what Tom Holland said in an interview with Variety. Oh Tom Holland, you precious precious boy. They have to t- they have to tell him to say things cuz he's leaked so much stuff in the past. And now he's even saying that uh he's denying that Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are involved in the Spider-Man movie despite other reports. And he's like they wouldn't tell me and no we're continuing the story. It's like of course they wouldn't tell you Tom, you'd ruin it unless you guys share scenes and you're trying your best to deny the rumors, but Oh, Tom, you precious, precious man. But that's what he says about Spider-Man, so we'll see. Uh, Chloe Zhao, who is uh, directing the upcoming Marvel movies, uh, Marvel movie, The the Eternals, uh, has been signed on to develop a new sci-fi western take on Dracula for Universal Pictures, for Universal Studios. We'll, we'll see how that all plays out, though. That's an interesting take on it. Sci-fi western, whatever. So Star Wars, Star Wars. So we're getting a Star Wars Dracula. Okay, check, got it. Sounds great. Let's see how it turns out. Um, the Resident Evil reboot movie, uh, origin movie, whatever you want to call it, uh, now has a release date. It, it's actually wrapped filming, and it will be released in theaters this coming September. So be on the lookout for that. Um, we also lost a great actor uh, this week, Christopher Plummer. Uh, for those who you might not know, he was um, he's been in a n- number, number, number of films, great films as well. Um, you know, he was in he played the grandfather in National Treasure. I uh, he, he played the 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 patriarch in The Sound of Music. I can't think of his his first name, but Von Trapp, the the father. Uh, and of course, most most nerds, if you will, know him as General Chang in Star Trek. Uh, was it the five, the undiscovered country? Yeah, Star Trek five, the undiscovered country. I learned more about uh, about Shakespeare in a Star Trek movie with Christopher Plummer as a Klingon than I did like ever before in my life up until that point. And oh man, he plays the co-conspirator that's working with the Federation operatives who don't want the Klingons to sign the peace deal with the Federation because you know they want to keep the war going. I'm going deep into star trek history here but but uh christopher Plummer, great man um and my favorite line from that movie is when when he's he's reading it's a i forget which which shakespeare play it's from okay so it's it's uh shakespeare's um it's shakespeare's julius caesar and and i'm gonna see if i can get it on here but here's christopher Plummer in star trek the undiscovered country all right, so he's going to come in here after Scotty. Tell me, Captain Kirk, would you be willing to give up Starfleet? <coughs> I believe Captain 
I don't know. I'm looking for a good quote. I can't find one, but that that's from Undiscovered Country. Christopher Plummer, probably his best role in my no, he's had a lot of better roles, but one of his greatest roles is as Ch- as General Chang in Star Trek IV: The Undiscovered Country. And and what what makes him a great character? He's he's a Klingon who's constantly quoting constantly quoting sort of Shakespeare, right? And in, in in there you hear him quote to be or not to be in Klingon, uh, or I, I fucked that up, but you know what I mean. Um, I, I could probably do Microsoft Translator because they use, have Klingon, but but uh, we lost Christopher Plummer at the the ripe age of, of 91. You know, gone gone too soon. Gone too soon. Great, great, great actor. Um, um, we do get some new casting news for other movies as well. Um, Michelle Rodriguez and Justice Smith have joined the Dungeons and Dragons movie. And Jamie Lee Curtis has boarded the Borderlands movie. So look out, be on the lookout for those. This is like the fifth time they've made a Dungeons and Dragons movie, I think. <laughs> they never come out good. They never do. Um, also got word, so Disney, uh, you know, they bought, purchased Fox last year. Um, they will be shutting down Blue Sky Studios. Uh, Blue Sky Studios known for, of course, the Ice Age franchise, the Rio franchise, and yeah, just with everything that's going on, Disney has announced that they will be shutting down the studio, about 450 employees, um, and they did say they will try to help find them jobs in uh, current existing Disney uh, uh, businesses. So while they will be closing down Blue Sky Productions, they will try to keep those people on board as much as possible. Uh, so good on them for that. Other, other than that, the, the studio will close in April. And unfortunately, they will not produce their most recently announced film uh, as as production ramps down. But, um, of course, their last movie was Spies in Disguise, the movie that starred Tom Holland and Will Smith. Uh, that came out, I think, last year or the year before, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we also got an announcement today about Sonic the Hedgehog 2, um, which will just be called Sonic the Hedgehog 2, except we got a picture of the logo and number two is actually stylized as if it were Tails. So, so Sonic sidekick Tails, who was, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, he was actually teased at the end of the first film. Um, so we know that he will be a central figure, it looks like, in Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Uh, and no word on when production will start on that sequel. And then, uh, that's it for TV news today. Or movies, sorry, we're talking about movies. But um, I did want to talk about two other things. So we all know that Disneyland California is still closed, includes California Adventure, uh, as, as Walt Disney World in Florida is still open. California's still got some other things going on, so theme parks are still closed. It has been announced that California Adventure will open, partially reopen for a limited time event uh, soon, if unless the theme parks open before that. But it is a limited, quote, limited time ticket experience, and... Uh, this was sent out as in a, in a memo to Disney employees, uh, Disneyland President Ken Potrock, that a thousand employees will return in mid-March, and uh, they didn't say how many attendees will be allowed, but it will be uh, the quote world-famous food and beverage offerings from around the resort, the latest merchandise, and unique, carefully crafted entertainment experiences. Unquote. That's what this event's going to be focused on. It also said quote. While that is clearly not all we want to accomplish, it's a start. Teams are working as we speak to start recalling identified cast in the upcoming weeks, unquote. 
and it will also operate, quote, with limited capacity and enhanced safety measures and will be offered multiple days a week, unquote. Uh, as we know that <clears throat> California still has not reopened its theme parks. There is a bill that is being submitted to California legislature as we speak, though, to try and get it reopened. So it looks like they're doing their food and wine festival that they've done in the past. And and parts of the park for dining and, and restaurants at least have been open. Uh, it looks like from that press release uh, as part of their downtown Disney experience. Uh, the main reason the, the park is still closed is Anaheim is still seeing at least like 40,000 cases. Uh, as of February 8th, they had seen 40,000 cases in the last couple of days. So that's still kind of high. So... That's why the, the park is still closed. Uh, who knows yet on, on when it will fully reopen and things can get back to somewhat normal. And the final thing I did want to talk about today was, and we mentioned it earlier, was uh, scalpers and Pokemon cards. If you are a Pokemon card collector like myself, and uh, you guys would know that I've posted several live videos on, on Instagram opening packs, um... You might have noticed that Pokemon cards are a little hard to come by lately. And apparently there's been a very large surge in, in Pokemon card purchases. And of course fueled by recent celebrities buying and selling Pokemon cards for thousands and thousands of dollars. Other high profile Pokemon card sales. As well as, you know, just people being home and, and you know, new hobbies and collecting things coming back into play for people who might not have been able to do so the last few years before being stuck at home. Well, um, it's nearly impossible to find any Pokemon card or, or deck or box or booster pack, really. I've checked some of my stores almost every other day, and they're still not available. Uh, you're starting to see um, the tr Elite Trainer boxes re on, on aftermarket sites for... Uh, almost double retail, so there's a normally 50 bucks. They're being sold on eBay and things like that for $80 plus. And scalpers, of course, coming into play. They're hurting regular collectors. They're hurting kids who want to get Pokemon cards. And the Pokemon community is kind of in uproar over this. Hell, I was at a, a local uh, comic book shop and they were selling Elite Trainer boxes. They had like 30 of them, mind you, for $100 each for the new Champion's Path boxes. You can't get them anywhere else, but this store has the audacity to charge $100 for them. Yes, it is a collectible store, and they sell older toys for a lot more money, stuff that's out of, and they sell old comics that are out of print and toys that are not being made anymore for, for an, uh, a markup. But these Elite Trainer Boxes are technically still out, and they're charging $100 for them. And this is Champion's Path, which is actually a smaller set that the Pokemon Company has released in, in recent years, so... There's a very extremely high probability for getting a lot of duplicates in Champion's Path, especially in an Elite Trainer box. Granted, you have the chance of getting the new Dynamax Rainbow Charizard card, um, which for a, a, a brand new card going for several hundred dollars already is a little ridiculous, if you ask me. Um, let, let me see what... Let me let me get you... the The, the prices on Pokemon cards right now are through the roof, okay? Cards that normally probably wouldn't get any play are 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 getting asinine, are 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 through the roof on on pricing, right? So so like I said, Champions Path is the newest set. Um, we're getting some new ones next week, which is the new battle deck. But 
I'm looking for this Charizard card. It is a special Charizard card. Granted, it's very rare. They're not in every deck. But it it's for a brand new card, you don't usually see the price go up this high. And I'm not kidding when I say that. The, the prices do not normally go up this high on Pokemon cards this quickly. The Charizard VMAX, the secret card, it's the rainbow card, is um, like market price is $317 according to TCG Player. $317 for a, a new Charizard card, right? A new card. It is it is out of control how much it has exploded. And then today, for Pokemon's 25th anniversary this, this year, they have added uh, a new deck that you can get at McDonald's. And scalpers have already like cleaned out McDonald's. And you see people online buying like 10 Happy Meals or just buying all the decks... It's, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous what is going on in the Pokemon community right now. People are pissed uh, and, and, and valid because all of a sudden collectors and normal people can't get them because scalpers are buying it all up because they, they see that there's a renewed interest in the market for it. And the Pokemon company issued an apology today. Or not an apology, but they essentially said, uh, Oh, shit. Um... Crazy shit's going on, so we're going to print more cards. This is being reported everywhere. And when I say everywhere, I mean Forbes is talking about Pokemon. Forbes probably hasn't written an article about Pokemon in like 20 years. Okay? And 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 it, it's, it's getting out of control, people. It is getting out of control. What are you doing? Why? Why? People are just trying to take advantage of everybody now. And, and scalpers are ruining it. A, for kids who are trying to get a Happy Meal Pokemon card. B, for collectors who just were not having an issue up until now. And this isn't a, a direct statement from Pokemon. We're aware that some fans are experiencing difficulties purchasing certain Pokemon TCG products due to very high demand. In response, we are reprinting impacted products at maximum capacity to ensure more fans can enjoy the Pokemon TCG. Uh, so if you go to the Pokemon support page on support.pokemon.com, because uh, that was their Twitter. So it says, uh, this was updated two minutes ago, actually. Uh, quote, we are aware that some of you are experiencing difficulties purchasing certain Pokemon trading card game products due to very high demand and global shipping constraints impacting availability. We understand this inconvenience can be disappointing for fans and we are working to address it where it is within our control. In situations where there is limited availability, we are actively working to print more of the impacted Pokemon TCG products as quickly as possible and at maximum capacity to support this increased demand. Reprinted products are expected to be available at retailers as soon as possible. For new Pokemon TCG expansions launching, launching in the future, we are maximizing production to increase product availability upon release, and we will continue to reprint the products to replenish stock at retailers as soon as possible. We'd like to thank the community for their continued support and patience as we work to deliver more Pokemon TC TCG products to fans. End quote. So, I don't know if this is affecting the Japanese market. Um, it's Lately, it's been very hard to get Japanese cards here in the U.S. I've been having a little trouble finding them, which is a little frustrating to me because 
At this point, I'd rather have the Japanese cards. But um, Vivid Voltage decks and, and, and sets are very hard to come by now. Uh, the Champion's Path is very hard to come by. People are worried about the new uh, battle decks that are supposed to launch next week. And some Walmarts are selling them early. Fucking Walmart ruining it for everybody. But what what's going on it is it's just it's frustrating for for like actual fans and and people that are collectors because we're we're being shut out by we're being shut out by people who don't really give a shit and they're just buying it cuz they know they can they can tap in to the the bullshit that that i just it's unfortunate it really is um and and scalpers are I'm I'm kind of pissed at scalpers taking advantage of the McDonald's thing cuz it's it's like what's going on and I'm worried about hidden fates that's supposed to launch next week too which is their re-release of the the sh of shining pokemon so you can get which you don't get shining pokemon a lot in in card decks because they've done it a couple times where they've done hidden fates and shining fates and 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 dual fates I don't even I think that's what it was but it's it's nice to get the shiny it's like shiny hunting all over again, right? Like in the games, but in, in the card decks. But it, it's it's frustrating to see scalpers coming into every single market that they never used to touch. And now people are getting pissed because they're taking advantage of people. And, and it's very unfortunate, especially when it comes to a Happy Meal thing. It's like, yeah, the collectors were going to come in and buy it up, right? Because collectors are going to do that. But now you have the added element of scalpers coming in to try and take it, and then they'll saturate them, oversaturate the market, and bring values down, and people are going to be pissed. But, Pokemon cards in 2021, right? <laughs> but, that's it for Nick's Nerd News today, guys. Thank you very much. Of course, uh, we're going to give a shout-out to black creators and, and black black excellence and black black artists, especially in the nerd community this month in, in the next few episodes that we have uh, for Black History Month in, in February. And I want to thank you guys, of course, for listening to Nick's Nerd News every week. And as always, check out nicksnerdnews.com where you guys can find links to all of our, our uh, places where you can subscribe and listen to the show. You can listen to it right in your browser if you like. Or you can find our Spotify, Google Play, or Apple Podcast pages while you're there. Also, check out our social media tab where you can see links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram where we post a lot of funny memes every week. Um, and that way you can follow us all three at once, or you can pick and choose what you like to follow us. Just search Nick's Nerd News. Other than that, thank you guys for listening. Uh, next week, we will have a review of The Flash, WandaVision Episode 6. Um, nothing new gaming-wise this uh, upcoming week or anything like that, um, but a lot can change in the next seven days. Other than that, I will catch you guys on the flip side.